Well, today, let me invite your attention again, Judges chapter 13. We're going to talk about the life of Samson in this series, Spiritual Giants. Uh, About a week and a half ago, I received a message that I needed to return a phone call, and then I got an email about the same message. And the person I was to call was named Terrible Ted. And I didn't know Terrible Ted, and I thought, I don't know, should I call this person back or not and have a commitment to return phone calls? So I called Ted, and sure enough, he answered the phone. And when he answered, he said, this is Pastor Ronnie Raines. I said, that would be me. And he said, this is Terrible Ted. I said, Terrible Ted, how are you doing? And uh, so he said, it's been a long time since I've talked to you. And I said, I believe it has been a long time since we've talked. And so he went on to tell me, he said, don't you remember when we used to play roller derby together? And I said, Ted, I don't remember that. And uh, he, I said, he said, yeah, you remember that? We were professionals together. And, and uh, said, we were professional roller, der- roller derby people together. And I said, Ted, I was never into roller derby. I promise you that. I'm a pastor. I'm not into roller derby. And he said, you just don't remember it. I said, Ted, I do remember it. I never did do roller derby. I promise you that. It took me forever to convince him I was not the Ronnie Reigns he was looking for. And so finally they sent me an email later apologizing to say he really thought you were the right person. So I was interested, so I Googled that. Sure enough, there was a professional roller derby player whose name was Ronnie Reigns, not spelled like mine. He's in actually the Hall of Fame, so I'm quite impressed with that. One, I didn't even know there was a Hall of Fame for roller derby players, but he's in there. But Terrible Ted knew him. They must have had some times together. But interesting enough, best I can tell, that Ronnie Reigns passed away in 2000. 2018, and so maybe terrible tale to get that information somewhere. But this morning, though, I'm not talking about terrible Ted, but I do want you to lean in because I am going to talk about sinful Samson. And there's a, a word in his life for you and me. Now imagine this. Imagine what it would be like if God put your story in the pages of the Bible. And your story in the pages of the Bible, and here's what I mean by that. All of your victories would be listed, and you could tell about all of your accomplishments and all the things you've been able to do in life. But also, on the other side, all your vices would be listed as well. All your sins, all your mistakes, all the areas where you failed, you rebelled, you missed what God wanted you to do, that would be listed as well. And as you and I think about this, We think about the life of Samson outside of Christ. Here's what we know, that we're all messed up in life. And can you imagine, again, looking at our lives that way because the life of Samson, he needed a comeback in his life. And I would imagine there are many folks in this room, many people who are watching, if you got honest this morning, you look at your life and the state of your life, you would say as well, you need a major comeback in your life. And there have been some great comebacks in life. For example, there are companies that they find themselves in trouble and they need a major comeback for them as a company. Uh, There are also churches, many churches plateaued, declining, dying. There are many churches need a comeback. They need revitalization. I've been able to pastor many churches over the years that experienced a comeback, a revitalization, a new day in the life of that church by the Spirit of Christ. Many churches need a comeback. There are many people in life need a comeback. Life's just not where it needs to be, and they need a comeback. And then in sports, there are all sorts of comebacks that we see in sports. Let me give you an example. One time the Buffalo Bills had the greatest comeback in NFL history. And it's still known today as one of the greatest comebacks in history. 
The Boston Red Sox many years ago had a great comeback in a series against the New York Yankees. Went on and they were able to win the World Series. And so we see that as a major, major comeback. In 1994, there were two basketball teams. One team was down 31 points with 15 minutes and 30 seconds to go. That team had the one greatest comebacks in college basketball history. That team, the Kentucky Wildcats, came back and beat LSU, one of the greatest comebacks in history. I thought you needed to know that sports trivia today. I thought you just needed to know that so you can walk away knowing that. But, but I want to ask you this morning, though, in your life, in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, your relationship with him, do you need a comeback? Because when you look at Samson, he had a great beginning. Samson had a great beginning. He had great promise, great purpose. But he, but he went down some roads that he had no business going down. And Samson needed a comeback in life. What about you? Now, let me say this. If you ever want to come a Sunday and hear how you could mess up your life, I'm glad you're here today. Because I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you from Samson's life, if you want to mess up your life, this is how you do it. Now, the truth of the matter is, most of us don't need help in how to mess up our lives. We need help how to come back. And so when you look at Samson's life again, how do you go along in life and how do you waste your life? How do you disappoint God? How do you hurt people around you? How do you miss your purpose in life? Samson to give us all those answers. Here's how he did that, and we can learn from that so that we don't do the same thing that Samson did. Now, as you think about Samson's life, let me, let me, I need your participation for a little bit, a little word association here for a moment. This phrase I'll give you, and you finish it. I'm loving, anybody? I'm loving it. That's right, McDonald's. Uh, so we, we know that. What about, about this? No one can eat just one, Lay's potato chips. It's the real thing, Coca-Cola. Go. Okay, I'm going to give you a chance to redo that one. I thought it'd be much stronger. That's a little weak this morning. So here we go. Okay, now for the rest of us from Kentucky, go cats. Okay, so we're, we're all on the level playing field now. Word association. Let me ask you this. Samson and Delilah. You, you know the word. There's an association there. So what we're going to see is Samson finds himself in this strange place with this lady named Delilah. Her name is simply the night. That's what it means, and it's darkness. And Samson's going to find himself in this place at night in the darkness, and God's going to do something in his life. Now, how do you want to be remembered in your life? As you think about that, how do you want other people to remember you? I think about the life of Samson. How did people remember him? And as I think about how do you want to be remembered, I think about people again. Very inspiring when I see people who know Christ, who are living faithful for Jesus, who serve him well, who live for him well. It's inspiring to see those individuals giving everything in relationship to Christ. It moves us, it inspires us, encourages us to live like that as well. But then it's very disappointing, on the other hand, to look around and to see people who are not living up to their potential, they're not living close to Jesus. They're not living faithful to him. They're not carrying out his purpose. They're wasting their lives. They're crashing in life in many ways. It's so disappointing to see those individuals waste the opportunity and the stewardship that God's given them in life. And that's what we're going to see from the life of Samson. When you look at Samson's life, he was born and he had this Nazarite vow. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Not many people in life in the Bible had what was known as a Nazarite vow. There were things that they could do and things they should not do. 
If you had the Nazarite vow, Samuel had that. John the Baptist had that. Samson is going to have that. When you had that, here's some things you couldn't do. You couldn't cut your hair. That saved you a lot of money on haircuts, by the way, as well. You could not shave your hair. You also could not touch a dead corpse or carcass, human or animal, whatever. You couldn't do that. And then also you were not to drink any kind of wine or any kind of strong drink. Alcohol, if you had the Nazarite vow, alcohol should never touch your lips because God was concerned about how those individuals lived in life. So a very promising life. Here Samson is again born with an incredible promise, godly parents. God was blessing him in life, had a great beginning, great purpose, great direction. God was going to use him to deliver the people of Israel from the Philistines and God's hand was upon him. But Samson's life went in a different, different direction. Over the next number of minutes, Many of Samson's wounds were self-inflicted. He did these things to himself. I would imagine there are folks in this room right now, you're struggling in life in many ways, and it's because you have self-inflicted yourself. And so I want to encourage you to lean into this message. I'm going to give you some very practical application points of this message from the life of Samson that you can walk out today and you can have the greatest comeback ever in your life. That's the promise of the Word of God. How do you ruin your life? How do you do that? Look at these ways. One, disrespect the spiritual leadership of your parents. If you want to ruin your life, you disrespect the spiritual leadership of your parents. The Bible says in Judges 13, and the people of Israel were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord gave them to the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. You have to realize this period, there was no one reigning. There was no one in leadership. People were doing what was right in their own eyes. And you see that there was no absolute truth. And so anytime you come to a period in life or in history, even as a nation, no one in leadership, everyone's doing what is right in his or her own eyes. There's no absolute truth. You can expect chaos to come from that. And that's the environment that Samson finds himself in. But when you look in Judges chapter 13, you see his mom and dad. And you understand that here they are as godly parents wanting to do the right thing. Let me give you some insight there. Verse 2, then there was a certain man of Zorah of the name tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren, had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, so God is speaking into her life. And here's the good news for Samson's mother and also his dad. They were listening to the voice of God. Parents, let me ask you, are you listening to what God wants to say to you as a mom or dad? Here they are listening to God also. Down in verse 8, Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us. So here's Samson's mom and dad knew how to pray and have a conversation with God as well. As parents, do you know how to pray and have a conversation with God? And then he went on to say, And teach us what we are to do with a child who will be born. They had teachable hearts as parents. Parents, when you look at your life, leadership as parents, are you teachable before God? Are you asking him to teach you how to raise your son, daughter, or children? Are you praying and are you teachable? And then to go on from there, then down in verse 12, and Manoah said, now when your words come true, uh, what is to be the child manner of life and what is his mission? They were asking for direction. When we give birth to this baby named Samson, God, what do you want us to do? What is the direction of his life? How should we lead him? How should we direct him? They're asking God for direction. 
And then, then down in verse 19 of chapter 13, so Manoah took the young goat with a grain offering and offered it on the rock of the Lord to the one who works wonders. What were they doing? They were giving up their personal possessions to the Lord. They were sacrificing because they wanted to obey God's leadership. And then after all this happened, it says at the end there in verse 20, and they fell on their faces to the ground here at Samson's parents knew how to give to the Lord, but they also knew how to worship the Lord as well. Let me ask you as parents, again, do you know how to listen to God? Uh, Do you know how to pray and have a teachable heart? Are you asking God for direction for your family, your kids? Are you willing to give up what is important to you to offer to the Lord? But also, do you know how to worship the Lord God yourself? willing to fall on the ground, worship him in spirit and truth. Do you know how to do that as parents? Now, let me ask you today as kids, sons and daughters, I want to say this to you. If you've got godly parents, and what I mean by that, you've got parents who love you, parents who are walking faithful to Jesus, and parents who are spiritually leading you in your family, in your home, you should thank God for a godly mom and dad. Thank God for that. But I'd also say this, if you want to destroy your life, you disrespect the spiritual leadership of your parents. Now, when I say that, there's a responsibility side of that. For example, there's one side, there's a responsibility. Moms and dads, you are to provide spiritual leadership for your kids. That's what Proverbs chapter 22 says, train on the child in the way he should go. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 talks about. Fathers, don't exasperate your kids. Teach them in the ways of the Lord. You have a responsibility to lead your kids in the ways of Christ. Boys and girls, let me say also to you, you have a responsibility to follow the spiritual leadership of your parents. That's why Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So you have a responsibility to teach. You also have a responsibility to follow. Here's what I see in life. When I see families dysfunctional, when I see kids living chaotic lives, oftentimes what happens, two things. Either number one, parents are not giving spiritual leadership in the family. They may give their kids stuff, but they're not giving them the word of God and the ways of God. And so it's causing chaos in the family, chaos in the lives of kids when parents are not spiritually leading their kids. Or the other side of that, parents are leading in the ways of Christ, but kids are rebellious and refuse to follow the spiritual leadership of their parents. So you've got this idea of responsibility, you've got this idea of rebellion, and then you see results. I imagine... I wonder what it would be like for Samson's parents as we're going to see the unfolding of his life. How many times they would sit on the side of the bed and say, what in the world did we do wrong? what, what, What happened? We listened to God. We prayed. We were teachable. We asked God for direction. We offered God our best. We were worshiping him on our faces on the ground. What did we do wrong? Where did we fail? How did we end up in this place? And parents, I want to encourage you and challenge you today. Give spiritual leadership in your family to your kids. And kids, I want to challenge you. Follow the godly spiritual leadership of your parents. And you'll watch God work. But I say again, if you want to destroy your life, you want your life to be chaotic and out of control, you disrespect the spiritual leadership of your parents. And we're going to see that from the life of Samson. Number two, start drifting in your relationship with God. If you want to destroy your life, 
you start drifting in your relationship to God and you will find yourself at a place you never imagined you would be. Chapter 13. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson and the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And in this idea, the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Can you imagine what a great beginning Samson had? Then you come to chapter 14 and it says this in verse 1, Samson, notice these words. You, you'll read the story and you'll see these two words again and again. He went down. Sin will never build you up. Sin will always take you down. So Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Notice the wording here. He's in a place in Timnah. Now, what in the world is he doing in Timnah? I just wrote in my Bible. Between chapter 13 and chapter 14, Samson's grew up in life, and I just wrote the question, what happened? He was growing. The Lord was blessing him. The Lord was stirring his heart. Well, what happened between these two chapters? Because now he's in a place of Timnah. He's actually in a place of the Philistines. They are the enemies of God's people. Samson, how did you end up in Timnah? And then it says he went down and he saw this woman. This idea is word saw just means he looked with enjoyment. He saw this beautiful woman of the enemies, by the way. And he said, I want her as my wife. He goes to his parents and he says to his parents, I want you to get her for me as my wife. And so here, what's happening in life, Samson is now leading his mom and dad. They're not giving him spiritual direction and saying, Samson, this is what you're going to do. Samson is telling his mom and dad, this is what I want. This is what I want you to do. He is drifting in his relationship with God. Let me give you just a warning here, by the way, too. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. There's a danger in this room for those of us who know Christ. If we don't pay attention to our spiritual lives and our walk with him, we can drift in relationship to the Lord. Why? Because the winds of this world are blowing strong. Here's what I mean by that. How many people in this room watching right now? Let's just be honest. You gave your life to Christ. You surrendered your heart to him. You put your trust in him. He saved you. He forgave you. He changed your life. And your relationship with him is like this. You're praying. You're reading the Bible. You're walking with him. You're serving him. You're growing in relationship to him. But something happened in your relationship with Christ. And then all of a sudden, you start moving a little bit. All of a sudden, you start moving a little more. All of a sudden, you moved a little more. And all of a sudden, one day, you find yourself here. Now, you have to understand, God's not the one who moved. The Lord Jesus is steady. He's faithful. You're the one who has drifted away from him. How many people in this room right now, whatever age you are, you can talk about a relationship to Christ, the time you had this defining moment in your life, God's here, but you have started drifting in your relationship to him. You find yourself here. And somewhere you say, how in the world did I get here? Well, it's a process of drifting. And so how do I drift? I promise you this. You can write these down. If you neglect God's word and prayer in your life, you're setting yourself in a place to start drifting in your relationship to God. If you neglect having 
accountable people in your life who can speak into your life. You begin the journey of drifting away from God when you don't give people permission to speak into your life. When you find yourself disconnected from the people of God, church is not perfect. But as the people of God, we need one another. When you have no involvement in the Lord's church and you stay away and then you don't fellowship with God's people and grow with God's people, when that happens in your life, you're setting in motion this process of drifting in your relationship to God. And I wonder how many people who started here in a relationship to God, but because the winds of this world are so strong and they didn't pay attention to their spiritual life, started drifting, started drifting and drifting. and drifting. Now they find themselves here and maybe they wake up one day and say, how in the world did I end up in this bar, this casino, on this website? How did I end up here? I tell you, if you want to destroy your life, you disrespect the spiritual leadership of your parents and you start drifting in your relationship with God, it will destroy your life. How many people used to be like this? Just between you and the Lord, but now you say it's like this. Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. There's hope. Number three, decide that you're going to live self-centered. In this context with, with, with Samson, he finds himself and he, he goes down and, and so he gets this wife and, and so he turned aside, he goes down and so forth and he, he finally gets this line and he destroys this line. He's so strong, just rips this line apart. And so he finally comes around to the enemies and he tells them this riddle and they could not solve it. And he finally agrees to say, if you can explain the riddle over the next number of days, I'll give you 30 pieces of garments you can wear. And if you can't tell the riddle, you give me 30 pieces of garments, something to wear as well. They had this deal about clothes, about garments. And so they couldn't figure it out. So they go to Samson's wife and they say to her, you need to find out. You entice him. You find out what this riddle is so that he will not defeat us, but we will win. We'll defeat him. And so she comes to Samson and what does Samson say to her? And a man, I want you to lean in. A husband's leaning here. I'm going to save you a lot of heartache. I'm going to save you a lot of time. And I'm going to save you a lot of money, by the way, as well. You ready? You listening? Say amen. Now, guys, I don't think you're listening. Are you listening? Say amen. Amen. Here's what he said to his wife. And he said there, behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and shall I tell you, don't ever say that to your wife. Uh, don't ever say that. If she's asking herself, well, hey, I hadn't told mom or dad, so I'm not going to tell you either. That's not a good line to say to your wife, by the way. And then he goes on to say this, and he said to them, to her, if you had not plowed with my heifer, my cow, you would not have found out my riddle. Don't ever call your wife a heifer or a cow. It will save you a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of pain in life. Promise you that. Promise you that. But here's Samson. Is, what is he doing? He's not respecting the spiritual leadership of his parents. What's Samson doing? He's living very, he's drifting in relationship to God, but he's also living very self-centered. You can continue on in, verse, in chapter 15. After some days at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. Uh, back in those days, you brought goats. You didn't bring chocolate or flowers. You bring goats, which is an interesting gift. And then ultimately, this is so strange because his father-in-law does something that's really weird. He thought she hated, he hated his wife, so he gave Samson's wife to somebody else and said, well, you just take her sister. She's beautiful than she is. 
strange behavior, by the way, as well. Then Samson does his thing with these foxes and so forth. And then down in verse 17, he had finished speaking. He threw away this jawbone out of his hand. He killed a thousand people with a jawbone. And he said he threw it away as like a mic drop, but he used a jawbone to do that after taking down a thousand people. Then in verse 17, he did that. And then verse 18, and he says this to the Lord, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. For Samson though, please understand this, life was all about himself. It was not about the people around him, not about his wife, not about his father-in-law, not about his parents, not even about his relationship with the Lord. It was all about himself. If you want to destroy your life, you decide that you're going to live self-centered. It's all about you. That's what Samson was doing. Number four, believe you can handle temptation on your own strength. When you look at chapter 15, you move into chapter 16, you see this about Samson. One of the major, major sins of his life, he believed he could handle temptation on his own strength. Then Samson went to Gaza, which means greed. There he saw a prostitute. Samson now is definitely at a place he should have never been. He finds himself in this place. He sees this prostitute. And what does he do? He connects his life with her. And her name is Delilah. Again, her name means the night, someone of darkness. And Samson enters into a relationship with her. And then ultimately, she's trying to find out the source of his strength. And when you read the story, here's how temptation works. Samson believed he could handle temptation on his own strength. Here's a mistake that many people make, and you see this in the life of Samson. She starts to ask him, and he talks about these bowstrings. And then she does all these things he asks, and then he just breaks them easy. And then she continues on and then he talks about these ropes. And so if you tie me up with these ropes, these new ropes, she does that. The Philistines are up on you. He breaks them like it's just easy to do. And then here's what happens in his life. You have to watch this. He's getting closer and closer to the source of his strength. Starts with bowstrings, moves to ropes. And then what does he say? He says something about his hair. Started way over here. But temptation just moves, moves, and moves. Now he is getting closer and closer to the source of his strength. And then finally, she has this pity party and tells him all these things. And then finally, Samson says, if you shave my head, the strength, the power of my life will be gone. Samson was asleep on her lap. One of the saddest verses you'll ever see in the Bible, verse 20 of chapter 16, and, he, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. Here's one of the saddest verses in the Bible for Samson. And here's what it is. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Sad verse. Didn't respect the spiritual leadership of his parents started drifting in his relationship with God. He lived a very, very self-centered life. And he thought he could handle temptation on his own strength. Destroyed his life. He didn't even know the Lord had left him. What a bad place to be. Five steps to make a comeback. I want you to write these down. I want to leave this message with, with hope. Number one, learn to ask God for help. I want to encourage you. Samson's parents knew how to ask God for help. 
I want to encourage you in your life. If you're, you need help today, be a person of humility and ask God to help you. Don't go through life thinking you can do this on your own. You'll figure it out on your own. You cannot do that. You can destroy your life. You need the help of God in your life. You may need to say, God, I need help with my tongue. God, we need help in leadership. God, I need help walking with you. God, I just need help in life. Ask God to help you in life. Number two, refuse to compromise personal convictions. When you've got convictions, convictions don't compromise them. You'll never get away with it. Stay strong, faithful to your convictions. It will lead you to one of the greatest comebacks of your life if you'll be faithful to your convictions. Number three, keep the secret things secret. Understand that. Deuteronomy 29, 29 talks about the secret things of God. There are some things in your life that are secret between you and God and secret and a few people around you. Can I just give you a word? There are some things even about your walk with God should be secret between you and him. You don't have to share that with anyone, just you and God about the secret things of your life. And can I go as far as to say in your marriage relationship, there are some things about your marriage, your relationship should be between you and your spouse. How do many affairs start in life? Because you start telling the secret things to somebody else and the enemy starts using those. There's a book out there by Willard F. Harley entitled His Needs, Her Needs. You've got needs, your spouse has needs, and if you're not getting those needs met and you start talking about those needs to somebody else in your workplace, in your neighborhood, somewhere else you meet in life, here's what the enemy would do. The enemy will send somebody into your life who can meet that need for you outside the context of marriage. Just keep the secret things secret. Number four, realize the need to wake up. There are times in your life just like Samson was asleep and he woke up. There are times you are asleep to the important things of life and you need God to wake you up. Maybe you're asleep to your marriage. Maybe you're asleep to your kids. Maybe you're asleep to the things of God and you need God to wake you up from your sleep. And then number five, identify signs of spiritual maturity. What do I mean by that? When you are mature, you can identify your weaknesses and know where you need help and know where you need the help of God in your life. Identify signs of maturity, it will lead to a major comeback in your life. Now, I've given you these other five things I want you to write down here just for a moment. And um, I'm going to give you five more statements I want you to think about. And I've given you some space here at the end, but I want to give you these quickly. And I want to encourage you to write these down because there's something that's needed in your life and they're needed in my life. And here's number one, control your impulses. If you're going to live faithful to Christ and you're going to come back, you're going to have to control your impulses. What do I mean by that? You're going to have to deal with lust. You're going to have to deal with anger. You're going to have to learn how to say no to temptation, God's way in life. Control your impulses. Samson could not do that, destroyed his life. Control your impulses. Write this second one down. Number two, refuse to compromise. When it comes to the principles of God and the commands of God, you can't be casual to the principles of God and the commands of God. Can I tell you, if you compromise the commands of God and the principles of God, you will not get away with it. It will catch up with you. I promise you that. You just refuse to compromise the principles of God. Number three, give people permission. I want to ask you in your life, whatever age you are, have you given some selected people in your life permission to speak into your life? 
Samson's parents could not even speak into his life. He was telling them what to do. Have you given some trusted people in your life who love God, who love you, who want you to walk faithful to Christ? Have you given them permission to speak into your life? You need godly people who have permission to speak God's truth into your life. Have you given people permission to do that? Number four, guard against isolation. Guard against isolation. The enemy loves to isolate you and me. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself in a place all alone. You have no business being there and the enemy will destroy your life. This past week, I was listening to a sermon. I'm not gonna give you his name because I have the utmost respect for him. Uh, I've been around him some. He pastored one of the largest churches in America. He has a very extroverted personality in many ways, just, just a godly man, loves his wife, loves his kids, loves the local church. And he found himself one day in a place because of some mental issues going on in his life. Even pastors face mental issues in life. One of the largest churches in America. He found himself at a place, he said, I found myself at a point of isolation. And the enemy wanted to take him further and further. And he said, but the good news, his wife came to him, called him by his name, and said, I see something wrong in your life. Because you used to be so outgoing and you always had lunch meetings with people and so forth, but now I see you, you're not having lunch with people, you're just by yourself. Something is wrong in your life. And he said it was a wake-up call for him. And he realized he was a point of isolation, the enemy wanted to do more in his life, and he found himself getting help, getting honest, and he is at a great place in life today because someone spoke into his life, someone pointed out the isolation in his life because he gave permission and he woke up to his real condition in life and God's using him in incredible, credible ways. And then number five, run from pride. You can't play around with pride. You're gonna have to run from pride. Pride goes before a fall. You don't play around with it. Just like you don't play around with a snake. You don't play around with pride. Pride can destroy you. Here's the interesting part of this story. Judges chapter 16. We find Samson here at the lowest point of his life in verse 28, Judges 16. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may avenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. At the lowest point of Samson's life, he called out to God. I wonder this morning in this room watching, how many of you would be so honest with God enough to say, God, I'm at the lowest point of my life. You look at your life, you've disrespected the spiritual leadership of your parents. You looked at your life, you, 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 God's here, you're way over here somewhere. You've been so self-centered in your life, it's been all about you and nobody else around you. you. You've believed the lie that you can handle temptation on your own and you find yourself at a low, low place. You can have a comeback. And here's what I want to encourage you. Surrender everything of your life to Christ and call on him. He'll change your life. 
I want us to bow together this morning. In this holy moment, we surrender everything to Jesus Christ. In this holy moment, if you don't know him, will you admit that you've sinned against him? Will you confess that he loves you? Will you give your life to Jesus Christ who died on a cross, shed his blood, paid everything for you and for me? Will you surrender your life to Christ this morning? Major comeback, passing from spiritual death to spiritual life. Will you give your life to Jesus? Do you need to follow him in believer's baptism like we witnessed this morning? Do you need to join the fellowship of this great church that God's on the move in? Do you need to join this family of faith because God's leading you here? Is God calling you to serve him in some way and you need to say yes to him? How many of you honestly, just between you and God, would say it's the lowest point of your life right now and you need to come back? How many of you be honest enough to admit that? Our prayer team's gonna be here. Our pastoral staff's going to be here. We're here to pray with you and to walk with you, not to judge you, but to help you. Samson had a comeback. You can have a comeback today as well. If you will surrender everything to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I just believe in this room and those watching, there are many, many folks who are at the lowest point of life. And God, you've allowed them to be in this room or you've allowed them to watch this broadcast because God, this is not the end of the story. You want them to come back. Jesus gave his life that they could be forgiven and they could come back, be stronger than ever if they'll surrender their lives to you. So Lord Jesus, may we surrender all to you today. We'll never be the same. And God, thank you for inviting us to come to you. And so I pray this this morning in Jesus' name.